You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Take your Bible and turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 22. The message I'll share with you today has been heavy on my heart for some time now. And I know it's the will of the Lord that uh, it be brought to you today. A very familiar passage of Scripture. Here in Matthew chapter 22, we'll pick up with verse 34 and read through verse 40. The question that I propose to you today is, who do you love the most? We need to come to grips with that question. Who do you love the most? But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. They're now plotting against our Lord. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law of all of the laws that Moses has written. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments... Hang all the law and the prophets. For those of you who have said under my ministry, and some of you have said under my ministry your entire life, you have heard me preach on several different occasions about the competing loves. The loves that compete for our heart, that are in competition against our love for the Lord. You may remember that the Bible says that in the latter days, and I believe we are in those days, there's no question in my mind that the coming of our Lord is very soon, and Lord haste the day when our faith will be sight. The clouds will be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Someone asked me yesterday, do you still believe Jesus is coming in our lifetime? To which I said, aren't we supposed to believe that? But in these latter days in which we live, the Bible says, men shall be lovers of themselves. Self-love, totally consumed with self and the fulfillment of self, the love of self. The Bible says there will be those who will be lovers of this present world, love not the world, neither all the things that are in the world. The Bible talks about the love of money, which is the root of all what? 
And then the Bible talks about the love of pleasure. Boy, do we ever live in a pleasure-orientated age. People are just consumed with pleasure. So we have the love of self. We have the love of this present world. We have the love of money or material things. And then we have the love of pleasure. And all of those loves compete strongly against our love for the Lord. But there is a competing love that we seldom even think about as being a competing love. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the love of family. I've actually heard messages preached that the, the love that you have for your family is the most important thing. So many times throughout my ministry, I have heard very well-meaning Christians say such things as this, my family is the most important thing to me, preacher. Or they rephrase it by saying, the most important thing to me in my life is my family. Or my family must come first before any and everything else. Or maybe something like this, my family is my number one priority. Now let me ask you a question. Is that the biblical perspective that we should have as Christians? It is not. I mean, that sounds good. Yeah, my family should come first. But is that what the Bible teaches? Does not the Lord Jesus say the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and then your neighbor, your closest neighbor to you, then certainly would be your family members. But the second is like unto it, I'm here to tell you it is our love for Jesus Christ that must take the preeminence in every one of our lives. I have watched over the years. I'm not a rookie to this anymore. I've been doing this a long time. Many of you have watched me grow older and grayer. And we won't mention the other. But I've watched over my ministry, and it breaks my heart, of how many believers have become unfaithful to the Lord because their family has become their idol. They have compromised once-held convictions. They have lowered their standards because of family objection. They have stopped attending church faithfully, or in some cases have stopped attending altogether because of their family. I've watched as families have embraced worldliness because of family pressure. I've watched how individuals have given up ministries just so they could spend more time with their family. I have seen testimonies damaged. I have seen the testimony of this church damaged. And I have seen, more importantly, God's reputation damaged. Because my family 
comes first above any and everything else. I'll never forget, it was on a Wednesday night. Some time ago now, I had a church member who is no longer here. You know why people leave Fellowship Baptist Church? It's me. I'll tell you that right now. I'll never forget standing right here after the evening service. And during that service, I had brought up the importance of loving God more than anything and everything else and how you should not let your family interfere with your commitment to the Lord and your ministry and your service for Christ. And had a church member come up to me and he was visibly upset. I mean, he was angry. And he was doing his best to hold his anger back as he confronted me and challenged me. And his argument was, when I put my family first, I am putting God first. And I said, I'm sorry to disagree with you, but that's not true. The only thing I can think is that person came under such heavy conviction of the Holy Spirit that things were not right, that instead of responding in repentance and putting Christ back on the throne where He rightfully belongs, his heart welled up with anger towards the one communicating that message. This morning we are going to see what the Bible says. Not what Pastor White says, but what the Bible says about what I believe is an absolutely important issue. I believe that all of us, as believers in Christ, we have to come to grips with this truth. Jesus is Lord of all. He's Lord of all. He must have the preeminence, the Bible says. He must have first place, even above our beloved family. As believers in Christ, we are called to love God more than our parents, more than our spouses, more than our children, more than our relatives. God first, others second. Take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Back a few pages, we have Matthew's account of the calling of the disciples. It's a marvelous chapter. But I want to pull out just verse 21 and verse 22 for the sake of time. And as the Lord called the disciples to himself, he said this. Are you there? Say amen. Verse 21, verse 22. And the brothers shall deliver up brother to death. Are you willing to accept the call of discipleship? And brothers shall deliver up brother to death, and the father the children. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Are you willing to take up the cross of true discipleship? 
Now, I understand. Don't mistake what I'm about to say right now. I understand that the call that came upon the disciples and the ministry that God had called them to is different than the calling that God has upon our lives. But even though we may be called, even though we may be called to a different ministry than the disciples were called to, I believe this with all my heart, we are all called to the same commitment. The commitment has not changed. In John 8, 31, Jesus said these words, Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. What does it mean to continue in his word? It means that you are committed to the words of God. You are committed to this book. You don't compromise this book. You live out this book. You walk in obedience to the commandments. If ye continue, you don't quit. You don't give in to pressure, even if it comes from your family. You continue in my word. Then and only then are you truly a disciple of mine. I believe that most of us here today, if I asked for a show of hands, would say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm sure at least 90% of our hands would go up. I'm a disciple. But are we truly disciples? Do we continue in his word or do we piecemeal the scriptures? When I'm talking about piecemealing the scriptures, I'm talking about, how many like smorgasbords? Wow, I thought more of you would like that. But you go up and everything spread out there and you can decide what you want, right? Maybe that's why Country Buffet went out of business was because of Fellowship Baptist Church. None of you like buffets. Well, I like buffets. Can you tell? I like buffets. I like having a choice. I like saying, you know what, that looks good. I, I have a hankering for that or for this or for that or something else. I, I like to have that. But listen, we cannot do that with the Scriptures. With the Word of God, we cannot pick or choose what we want to or what we don't want to obey. That is not discipleship. 262 times. My dad used to always say, you know, if God says something once, it's important. If he says it twice, it's really important. If he repeats it over and over again, he's really trying to drive a point home. 262 times believers are called to be disciples. Only once in the scriptures were believers called Christians. What is a disciple? It's one who continues obeying this book. That has the love of God as the number one priority in their life. Take your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through verse 20. Got a couple guys here.
we were in uh, teen camp with the boys, I did something that I never had done before. We were sitting there around the fire, and we were in our sessions, whether it was devotionals in the morning or sessions with Pastor Strofe. And I did something for the first time. I got my phone out, and I used my Bible app on my phone. I thought it was so cool. You know, I got to fit in with that teen group. And I kind of liked it. I mean, you certainly can find passages of scriptures a whole lot quicker with the Bible app than you can turn in the pages. But you know what? I love to hear the sound. Love to hear the sound of those pages turning in church. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now after that, John was put in prison commitment to Christ. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. Repentance and faith are the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, now watch this, and they left their what? I can't hear you. They left their what? Father. They left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and they went after him or they followed the Lord Jesus. James and John were obedient to the call of God. They left their father, obviously. They left their mother. They left their family. They left their livelihood. And what did they do, church? Who was number one? Jesus. This is what is meant by loving God more than any human relationship. It is to follow His voice, His word, more than the voice of others. Can I tell you something? We have all kinds of voices screaming in our ears, telling us not to go the way of the word, but to go the way of the world. But one who follows the word is a true disciple. Now, I'm thankful for what I'm going to say right now. Most of us have not had to choose between God and our families. Amen? My family was always very supportive of my faith. My wife's family, very supportive of her faith. I haven't had to leave my family. I haven't had to leave my livelihood in order to take up the call of discipleship. But here's a question I have for you. If God were to call you to that, would you willingly leave it and follow Christ? No one can answer that question except you. Luke chapter 10, turn there. 
verse 57 through verse 62. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. I am committed to this discipleship thing. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds their nest. But the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. That doesn't sound like the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that's being preached in our contemporary churches today. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead. How many have heard that phrase before? Let the dead bury the dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Doesn't this sound, I mean, be serious. Doesn't this sound like an unreasonable request? Let me go to my father's funeral before I follow you. Let me go say goodbye to mom and dad and my siblings and my friends, and then I will come and follow you. It just seems unreasonable for Jesus to ask of such a commitment. And so I had to ask myself the question, why did Jesus ask this? I mean, this seems extreme. Yes or no? If someone would come to me here in the church and say, God has called me to missions, I would be thrilled about that. But if they said, you know, before I can take off to the mission field, I have to go to my father's funeral, I would say, great. Or they would say, you know what, preacher, I'll, I'll head out of the mission field, but first just let me go say goodbye to mom and dad and my brothers and sisters, and I'll be right there. I would not see that as an unreasonable request. But Jesus' request does look unreasonable. Don't go, he says. And the only thing that I can think is that Jesus knew, of course he knew, what would happen if they went. There was a good possibility that they would be talked out of following Christ by their families. I have a question. Has anyone ever talked you out of full commitment to Jesus Christ? Have you ever talked yourself out of it? I remember one person saying to me one time, you know what, preacher, it's going to take some time for me to get right with God. I want to tell you something. You know how much time it takes to get right with God? point is you didn't want to get right with God. You didn't want to count the cost. Sometimes we are called upon by 
the Lord to carry a very heavy, heavy cross for the cause of Christ. And when he had called the people unto him along with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Put those earthly relationships behind and follow me when I call you. Parents, children, siblings, mates, best friends can never come in between us and the Savior. I think of the example of the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul takes the... Are you still here? The Apostle Paul takes the entire chapter to address the divorce and remarriage issue. The whole chapter. None of the other authors of Scripture handle it in such a way as the Apostle Paul handled it, going into great detail. He said such things as this, and he said, and I think I have the Spirit of God as I'm speaking. I think he did too. I think he was under inspiration. He said, if the unbelieving depart, let them depart. But you remain unmarried or else be reconciled. If they be pleased, if the unbeliever be pleased to dwell with you, remember that the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the unbelieving Husband, and then he talked about how the effect that that how divorce affects the children. And just to make sure that everyone knows what he's saying, at the very end of the chapter, in the last two verses, he said, The wife is bound by law to her husband as long as he liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is free to marry, but only in the Lord. Now, why did. God used the Apostle Paul to write those 40 verses all about the divorce and remarriage issue. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I may be wrong, but this is what I believe. The Apostle Paul was married because he had to be married in order to serve on the Sanhedrin. The 70 men who were on that controlling body of Israel. He was chief among them, by the way. So he had to be married. So here was the thing. Either his wife had died, and there's no indication of that in Scripture. But I'll tell you what makes more sense, that when Paul got saved, he got radically born again. What did he leave behind? Everything for the cause of Christ. He resigns from the Sanhedrin. Now, instead of being the persecutor, he becomes the one who's being persecuted. And I can just see his wife saying, I'm going to have nothing to do with this. I'm going to tell you something. There's a cost to pay for the cause of Christ. 
Peter said these words. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all, and we have followed thee. We left it all. Our relationship to Jesus Christ must be above any other relationship we have. Not all families are going to be happy and supportive when one of their own follow Christ. My family was. My family rejoiced in every decision that I've ever made to follow Christ. But some of you come from families, and I'm sorry, but you come from families that have not been supportive of your faith. Many of you have come from families where you are the only one who's a Christian. Some of you come from families where your families do profess to be Christians, but they're not committed followers of Christ like you are. Your beliefs, your convictions, your standards have been met with hostility. Rejection. You've gotten the silence treatment. And the truth is, some of you have been persecuted. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. My wife shared a verse with me this morning on the way to church. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. If that's the price that I have to pay in order to follow Christ, so be it. Amen? I think of uh, all of these honor killings that you hear about that take place in Islam. I don't know how many of you here have ever heard of the magazine called The Voice of the Martyrs. How many have ever heard of that magazine? Okay, quite a few of you. I quote from that magazine in an article, it says, Though you may never have to make such painful choices, there are Christians all around the world who make such choices every day. When they trust Jesus... They must leave their old life behind. They can no longer follow the same traditions and rituals. For many to return home would be certain death. By breaking with their family traditions, they are viewed as destroyers, haters, and apostates that must be put to death. Fox News reports, honor killings in America, DOJ report says it's a growing problem. There's estimated 27 victims of so-called honor killings each year in the United States. Most of them go unreported. The Atlantic, honor killings in America. What most Christians just don't get is that such Horrors happen here in the United States of America and not just in countries far away like Afghanistan and Somalia. 
the Islamic Monthly, America's honor killings a growing reality. Honor killings are more common in America than we think. I want to tell you something. There are some people who pay a heavy, heavy cost for their faith and commitment to Jesus Christ. How can we not stand up and take a little bit of ridicule and rejection? God's word said, be faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 to verse 35. If any man come to me and hate not his father. Also remember an individual came to me on a Wednesday night with a very challenging spirit. I'm like, why is it Wednesday nights? What is it about Wednesday nights? But he came to me and I had made a comment that Paul said that there were those who saw his preaching as rude. And I said, you know, we need a little bit more rude preaching today in America. And so this fellow came up and he had his Bible open and he pointed at that word and he said, I want you to know that's not the right translation of that word. He said, the word should be translated this and not that. I said, who told you that? He said, the footnotes in my Bible tell me that. The footnotes in your Bible are not inspired of God. And God did not make a mistake when he put words in the Bible. Who are we to say that is a faulty interpretation? That's what man may say. That's not what God has said. I'm here to tell you, God has preserved his word. This book that I hold in my hand is without error. There are no mistakes in the word of God. For us to stand in criticism and question of the Word of God, that is the height of pride. If any man come to me and hate not his father, you would say that must, that must be a mistake. That is not a mistake. the love that I have for Christ, any other human relationship, that love has to be so high and so strong and so passionate that any other love that I have would be in comparison to hatred. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother 
and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life, he could not be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross, now that's a heavy cross, but whosoever not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he says, count the cost. You know what I'm calling you to today? I'm call Come on, wake up. I am calling you to the same commitment that Jesus Christ called his disciples to. I'm going to tell you what we need a church of true disciples. Mark chapter 10. Turn there. Mark chapter 10, verse 28 through verse 30. Then, oh, your pages are still rustling there, okay? The quicker you find it, the quicker I'll get done. Silence. The pages quit rustling. Verse 28, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all. Lord, we've left it all, and we've followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that have left houses or brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children. Pretty much covers it, doesn't it? Or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Notice this, with what? With what? And in the world to come, eternal life. Matthew Henry in his commentary on this passage said these words, I'm almost done. The greatest trial of a good man is when love for Jesus calls him to give up his love for family and friends. Even though we gain by following Christ, <clears throat> let us still expect to suffer for him until we reach heaven. John Wesley commenting on these same verses. He shall receive a hundredfold houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands, not in the same kind, for it will generally be with persecution, but in value, a hundred more happiness than all of those, all of these did or could afford. But let it be observed, none is entitled to happiness, but he that will accept it with persecution. Though there will be persecution, but there will also be greater blessing now and into eternity. Even though there is greater gain in following Christ, the loss is still loss, at least temporarily. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do not reject the radical teachings of Christ. They are made to make you uncomfortable. Let them do their work. They are designed to create real disciples who are ready to lose it all in order to gain Christ.
the world may call it hateful foolishness. But that is not true. It is love. And it is the wisdom of God. I'll close with these words. God's Word tells us that we must embrace the truth, we must embrace commitment, and we must embrace obedience above sentimentalism, above family ties, above ease and above comfort. Sometimes relationships will be shattered for the cause of Christ. Jesus said, a man's enemies will be those of his own household. I'm going to tell you something. God replaces it with brothers and sisters in Christ to where we find that our relationship in Christ is even deeper and more meaningful than our relationship with our own family members. I ask you here today, where is your commitment to Christ? While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak to him. Then said one of them to him, Behold, your mother and your brethren are standing outside, and they want to speak with you. But he answered and said unto him, Who is my mother? Who is my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.